got my space to How did he gonna be? Yeah, it's getting retaliated to me. Are you serious? As easy as I beat him, I could beat him while playing chuckles on the other side. That's how that was. And he's better than us? Are you serious, James? Tony? The name is uh, well known. What's that? What's my name? It's like Fifth. The UK fans, they, they love the fights, they also love the production, they love, they love to applaud and moan the talent. So we've lost Ben Whitaker, and it's, I feel quite empty because I genuinely thought we had a special talent. I still do think we have a special talent. And it's much like the Pat McCormack fight. I don't know if anyone saw that. It's When you look to your coaches to give you the game plan and to give you the instructions, if nothing else, man, just tell them, tell them where they need to be mentally and spiritually to win an Olympic gold medal. You know, they always talk about how these GB guys are super experienced and they're this and they're that. But they struggle to bring the, the big ones home. We... I don't think we've won a gold yet, have we? Sort of post-2012. And I think you know, we're now hoping Lauren Price can pull it off and I still pray for her and I think she can. But it's been one of those, considering how much money we spend on boxing relative to the teams we're losing to, we've got to start being honest. And I don't think it was a lack of talent with Ben Whittaker and I don't think it was a lack of talent with Pat McCormack. What it really was, essentially, was the coaches didn't give them the right instructions. So, Ben Whitaker's case against Arlen Lopez, you're against a guy who, who likes to fight at his own pace. So what's the first thing you do? Take away his comfort. How do you do that? Keep it really basic, but keep it really intense. And so when I watched the, the Fraser Clark Jalilov fight, which was stopped on a cut, Fraser looked like he had all the heart and the guts in the world and all the energy in the world. And that was, was good to see because he was causing Jalilov problems. He just didn't have the skills someone like a Ben Whitaker or Pat McCormack did. And then in reverse, those two guys had all the skills in the world, but they weren't prepared to make it ugly. And I just believe against the Cubans, you have to make it ugly. And people will laugh. If your footwork's good, you can make it really ugly for the Cubans and they don't like it. And that's when you've got to show, actually, look, you've had it easy for the last God knows how many months or years. But today, there's going to be a few heads, a few forearms. Whatever we need to do to get this gold medal, we're leaving it in the ring today. And, you know, it comes back to Terry's infamous expression. How bad do you really want to be in this ring with me today? And I don't think the coach has got that message into Ben. Because Ben was boxing like he was better than Arlen Lopez. And he's more talented, absolutely. But Arlen Lopez has already won an Olympic gold medal. So he knew to ignore all of that and just stick to what he's been trained to do. And that's what he did. And I don't think the GB coaches offered Ben the support, but I don't think they offered Pat McCormack the support either because Pat needed exactly the same message. Just literally stay on top of these guys. And one of the things I did find interesting, I think it's, it's all southpaws, right? So McCormack lost to a southpaw. Whitaker, did he lose to a southpaw? I can't remember. I think Arlen Lopez is southpaw. And Fraser Clark lost to Southpaw and Jalilov. 
how, how are we struggling against Southpaws? Like, they've got video analysts. Like, GB have a whole infrastructure designed to scout everybody. And that's what they used to tell us. You know, Richie Woodall would come on TV and tell us how amazing that setup is. Okay. So you're fighting Southpaws and you don't seem to know how to deal with these Southpaws, apart from the really basic throw the backhand. And even Richie Woodall was saying that in the commentary. And also, you can't just say throw the backhand. You're dealing with pretty elite guys. So, man, what's Jalilov? Jalilov's, what, 97, 98 bouts in? He'll probably get to 99 amateur bouts before he turns fully pro. Lopez and Iglesias, Jesus. I mean, think of a number of 200 and work up from there. These guys are all experienced guys and you're not going to just hit them with throw the backhand it has to be something like how are we going to disrupt their rhythm how are we going to take away their confidence how are we going to make them feel sufficiently uncomfortable that they start to make mistakes and I don't think GB prepared their boxes for that that's the frustrating thing and I saw that with Caroline Dubois as well sometimes you can't tell people they're the best in the world because in that moment it may actually not be true you may be the most talented in the world, but to be the best in the world, you have to put the rubber on the road, so to speak. And I just think in this Olympics, we've had a load of talent and it hasn't really executed. And it can't be an experienced thing. Pat McCormack's been there before. Um, Yafai, 2016. McCormack, 2016. They've been there before. Ben, this is his first Olympics. And he outshone all of them. Lauren Price, first Olympics, outshone all of them. So it almost seems like lions being led by lambs again. And until we start asking harsh questions of this GB system, because I know people say, oh, but they won this many medals, but look at how much money's being spent. And this is the important thing that people don't understand. That money's ring-fenced for amateur boxing, right? And then Team GB just say, we're taking all of this. What about the clubs? What about Empire Boxing Club? What about Bermontoff's Boxing Club? Repton, West Ham, Earlsfield. Yeah. What about the Rotunda, the Solly, Everton Red Triangle, Collihurst and Mostyn, Burtley, you know, Larches and Savick. You know, if you, if you want to go further, you know, what about Lock End up in Scotland? Like, there are so many amateur gyms that we should really be trusting to produce guys at this level. And all GB should be doing is acting as a performance centre. There should be zero technical coaching going on there. Because if you have to coach people to box, you're picking the wrong people. All GB should be, and I've been saying this for years, GB should be a place where you make people elite. That means everything's at a higher level, but you don't waste time teaching someone how to jab. You, should already, you shouldn't be in GB if you can't jab. So what, what those coaches should be doing is working on the psychology, working on the tactics, and it doesn't seem they do that. They just love to be padmen up there, from what it seems. They love to be padmen and all pally-pally, and they get their little massages for free, and they do all of this, and it's a nice little gig for kind of crap money. But GB boxing needs a revolution because it's not doing things the right way. Leave the talent development to the clubs. Those coaches are better. They're more experienced. 
they're more in tune with where boxing's actually going. And it gives the kids a chance to develop close to home and you know, engage in local rivalries with their peers, which I think always works. And once they've proven themselves at that level, maybe take him up to GB. But no one should be at GB for 10 years, like Fraser Clark was. Like, like you shouldn't. This, because it, what they call it, bed blocking. You're just literally slowing it down for the young, hungry people coming through. But all of this stuff, I guess, needs to be corrected. I, I, was, I, was, I was gutted for Ben Whitaker, and I thought his reaction to defeat was perfect. Like, I don't like good losers, because I don't think you go anywhere in life if you're a good loser. Well, you end up losing again. So hopefully this is the thing that tells Ben he can't trust anything, he can't trust anyone other than the effort and the intelligence he brings into that ring. And I still, st I still think he's got the brightest future of all the GB guys. In order, Whitaker, Lauren Price, Pat McCormack, Fraser Clark. Because when I saw Jalilov against Clark, I thought, Whew, how smart is Lou DeBella? So Lou DeBella potentially has Klitschko number two. Because how many stoppages has he got in the amateurs? Like, it's, it's a ridiculous number of stoppages that Jalilov has. And he's such a good technician. He's got good footwork. He knows how to use his jab. He's the sort of guy Joshua should have got in. Like if you're preparing for Fury, you'd get Jalilov in because he'll give you a hard time. He looks like a guy that doesn't come to make up the numbers. So you'll get a hard night's work from him. You get a hard day's work, I should say. And he's been really impressive. He was one of my tips right at the beginning. I'd like to see him get gold because that would make him the most valuable boxing commodity. You know, so you're a heavyweight with a gold medal and you can punch. And it seems everyone falls for his southpaw voodoo and chicanery. I think Ben's still up there. I don't know if Hearn will feel the same way about Ben Whitaker without the gold medal, but I don't see why not because it's still the most valuable one. I think it looks like Hearn will sign or he'll try and sign Lauren Price, Ben Whitaker and Pat McCormack. I think they'll be his priority signings, but I think everyone wants to get hold of those guys. And if I was advising them, I'd say, go on the platform where most of the country will see you. It'll be better for your own commercial interests, sponsorships, TV appearances, and so forth. You want to be visible early in your career. You go to someone like Hearn when you're ready to monetize, and none of these guys are ready to monetize just yet. But on the subject of Olympians, it's a real shame Luke, Luke Campbell's retired. And Luke's had a strange career. I think we can all agree on this because he won the gold medal in the Olympics, but he wasn't young. He was almost that, he's one of those in-between cycles sort of kid, isn't he? Where he was a little bit too young for 2008, which made him a little bit too old for 2012. But he won his gold and he won a legitimate gold. And that's probably the most legitimate gold of that 2012 Olympics. But he had this strange career where he was never pushed as a gold medalist in the same way that Joshua was. It was kind of like, you know, we're going to bet the house on AJ and anything else is a bonus. And Luke was always treated as an afterthought. You know, that defeat to Ivan Mendy probably relegated him even further down. But for him to rebuild his career and then have, have the run that he did. And one thing you can always say about Luke Campbell is he wasn't a guy to duck fights. He was in with, he was in with the best where you can't question his record. You know, he didn't win all of them, but he didn't need to. He proved that he belonged at a certain level. And he's one of those guys in terms of boxing, you'll never hear a bad word said about him. You'd buy him a beer. If you saw him, you'd shake his hand and say, mate, you did it the right way. 
So it's a shame the boxing ring's not going to see him, but I respect someone who makes a family choice that early in their life and says, do you know what? I want to be with my wife and kids. I've done everything else. I've traveled here. I've traveled there. I've sacrificed everything. And all of a sudden, it dawns on you now. Getting punched in the head is not as much fun as being around my family. And you get softened. I've seen it happen to everyone. You just get softened and you're not, you're not fighting for the same thing. Because when it comes to boxing, whatever anyone tells you, here's the truest thing. The best people in the ring are running from something or running towards something. And nothing can get in their way. That's what really happens. You saw it with Andy Ruiz in that first Joshua fight. He was running towards that. Whatever it was, he wanted that belt. He felt he deserved it. He knew he was better than Parker. And he probably said to himself, if I ever get another chance, I'm just swinging for the fences, which he did. He won the title. And then the responsibility scared him. And he ran away from that. And that cost him. And now he's gone back to who he was before the first fight, right? I've got something to prove again. So most good fighters have something like that. What happens over time is, if you're good, you accomplish that. And then it's like, what's next? And maybe that's where Luke Campbell got to. He just got to a point where, actually, the family thing is more important now. But you would tip your hat to him. What a great career. You know, I don't want to say a great servant to the sport. I think... Boxing served him well, he served boxing well, and I mean, may he enjoy happiness. I'd like to see him get a broadcast platform as well. We, we should treat the people who deliver for us as a, as a nation. Remember, he's a gold medalist. People who deliver for us as a nation should never be found struggling in this country. It's the least we can do. So one of the things I wanted to touch on is that the fact that Fury's now back in the United Kingdom. I think he's going to be training from here now, up until the the run-up to the fight, right? So we we have maybe the best heavyweight boxer that we've produced since Lennox. Training in the United Kingdom for a fight that we all know has to happen. And UCAD cannot test him because he doesn't have a license. He's just a civilian right now. And no one in boxing talks about that. UCAD don't complain about this. No one seems to make any noise because... It seems UCAD are scared. And I don't think they should be in a position. I think if I, if I ran UCAD, I'd ask the government to indemnify. That's what I'd do. So if you do catch someone doping and they sue, the government can always cover those costs. Because that would make UCAD more aggressive and put them on the front foot. And I think that's how you deal with doping in boxing. I don't think you can do it any other way than to have a more aggressive UCAD. But right now they fear lawsuits. And boxing has more money than UCAD does. Therefore, they'll avoid it. And so you've got the Furies, you know, Big John and Tyson now locked away training. God knows what's going to happen up there. I don't know. I don't even want to pass allegations. I'm just saying, whereas Joshua will get tested and has to get tested, Fury doesn't. That doesn't seem to be an intelligent way to run a sport. That seems absolutely crazy. But let's see if the fight happens. I just, I just have a feeling that there's too much talking about what Tyson's going to do to Deontay Wilder. And you know, for, for however easy he said that fight was going to be, he could have 
He could have ridden up the COVID and said, I'll fight him four weeks later. I'll fight him the week after Joshua fights Usyk or whatever. So to push it out to October tells me that there's something else going on. That would be my worry. And as I keep saying to people, and people think I'm stupid for saying this, every week that Wilder gets to train is a week that the gap closes. I'm not saying he'll be better than Fury. Of course not. But the gap closes. He makes, he'll make fewer and fewer mistakes. He'll sharpen his focus. So the break's not advantageous for Fury. But I guess it also reflects the fact that I don't think the wider public cares now, do they? We're into Joshua Usyk's season. And after that, we'll be into Joshua versus Fury season. So for the public right now, do not care about Fury versus Wilder. And I genuinely think if Fury were to say I'm done with boxing, I think the public would love that because it would mean Joshua fights Usyk, then Wilder. Problem solved. Done what he needed to do in his career, then he can just have fun with it. But no, I'll come back to this point. When you can be a WBC heavyweight champion, and you cannot be tested in your home jurisdiction because you do not have a license to box in that jurisdiction. There's something perverse about that. There, there really is something perverse about that, especially when you hold a belt that talks about a clean boxing program. And we don't have a record of Fury being tested since the Wilder fight, do we? If anyone has seen it, please show me. So if anyone's got time, it's worth, <clears throat> it is actually worth watching the Michael Hunter knockout. Thank you for Michael Wilson. Last night on the Triller fight card, which, which wasn't too bad, actually, from, from the lineup I saw in some of the clips I've seen. It looked like it was an entertaining night of boxing. Lou DiBella, maybe the smartest man in boxing, having signed the potential Olympic gold medalist, Jalilov. And I'm going to come on to um, the guy he's facing in the final just now. But that Hunter, 2012 Olympian, that Hunter knockout, lovely. And I'll tell you what I like about the Hunter knockout. It was a really old school knockout, just a slip encounter. And I, and I was thinking, you don't see many British guys do that. Stayed on the inside, just slipped, came back. Almost James Tony-esque the way he did it. Not saying he is James Tony, but it was Tony-esque. And so it goes to show, man, the, these smaller skilled heavyweights, I'd like to see him against Chisora. Him against the Chisora, him against the Gassiev, him against the Joseph Parker. Why Michael Hunter doesn't get these chances is beyond me. I'd actually quite like to see him against Andy Ruiz. I think that would be a hell of a fight. That would be one for the fans for sure. But no, the card overall looked interesting. And from a British perspective, although he still claims to be Irish, man, Matthew Tinker's got his, I think it's his seventh win now. And for anyone who doesn't know, Matthew Tinker, I think he started boxing in Limerick, came over to the UK, boxed for a while for Dale Youth. Really good, solid 81-kilo guy. So if you want to place him in a generation, he's your Dan Aziz, your Andre Sterlings, Craig Richards, Joshua Boatzis, um, even Danny Dignan when he moved up to 81. So he keeps in good company, and he was competitive with all of those guys. Out Dale Youth, used to train a lot with John O'Donnell. And so he moves out to New York. From what I gather, no real intention of boxing. He went out there to, to work. And then he joined the New York Athletic Club. Turned out he was still pretty good. I had a little run in the Golden Gloves. And then went, right, let me try this pro thing. And obviously he can leverage the, the Irishness of it, of, of it all. And so he's done a, good, he's done a good, good living out of that sort of eastern seaboard from New York out to the coast. But it's just good to see one of the, 
you know, one of the, the old, one of the old British guys doing his thing out there as well. So I'd like to see them bring Matthew Tinker over at some point. So maybe when he gets to 10 or 12 fights, bring him over. There's some guys here for him. And these are guys that he's not scared of. Uh, you can't say fight Dan Aziz because they're not at the same experience level. But these are guys that they all know each other. So that's another name to add to the mix, which is always good. The last thing I wanted to talk about was the lack of praise being lavished on Billy Walsh and the work he's done for USA Boxing. So if you go back to 2012 in the USA, <laughs> we were all asking what's happened to the United States in boxing terms, right? They had Spence, they had Spence, Hunt, I think they had Brazil as well. And the, that sort of level of guy. Uh, was Ramirez there as well? I think he was, but maybe for another country. And we were looking at that going, they're not that good. Obviously, they went on to do great things in the pros, but now we're looking at 2020 and the Americans are back. From the female side, I think you've got to give Clarissa Shields credit for making USA Sport legit 2012 and 2016, or USA Boxing, I should say. And then now we've got O'Shea, uh, yeah, O'Shea Jones doing her thing, which, which is good. She's still really young. And I think she might have another Olympics in there before she turns over. But she had a fantastic run, much like Caroline Dubois. So kudos to them. But then you've got, you had the, you had the, I'll call them the big four, right? So you had, I can't even remember, Duke, Duke Reagan. You had Keyshawn Davis. You had Richard Torres. And you had Johnson, I was going to say Delarius Johnson, the guy who got knocked out. The rest are still in. So now you've got Richard Torres boxing in the final. You've got Duke Reagan boxing in the final. And you've got Keyshawn Davis boxing in the final. And they all look like they could be competitive. Super heavy. Richard, Richard Torres is against the guy who essentially iced him the last time they fought. So I don't know if he's going to you know, bring anything different. And then the other two, I think Duke Reagan and Keyshawn Davis, they, they, we've seen them in the pros already, but they look like they could take the gold medals. I think Keyshawn Davis is probably the, the best suited. And let's not forget Troy Isley, actually, because he did really well. It was just, you know, he wasn't experienced enough to, to navigate through the tournament. But Keyshawn Davis and Troy Isley probably have the brightest professional futures. Duke Reagan could do, but he's got to move away from that amateur style quickly and start getting more purchase on every punch that he throws because boxing's a bit more economical and you've got to do more with less. But that American miracle continues and so you look at it and go what have they done and I think all they've done is organize it a bit better keep it really simple prepare these guys for the Olympics without necessarily changing what they've learned at their home clubs so I think they still have that principle that you can train with your old trainers but come the tournament we'll give you the tactics I think that's probably a better model right where they're not trying to give you one way of boxing which we do in GB in GB everyone does everything the same way and that means they become predictable. And so if you're a country coming up against Great Britain, you know what you have to do, even before time. Whereas I think what the Americans have done is said, we're going to take what you have and make you elite. We're not going to change your style. We're not going to change your characteristics. We're just going to give you what you need to navigate through these tournaments because we know you're going to go pro anyway. So I've really enjoyed seeing the Americans back. It's made boxing more interesting. And if we're all being honest, it's made us excited about what's going to happen in the pros. Now, if Richard Torres were to win gold, all bets are off. He, he may become the money man in the heavyweight division over time. Although I don't necessarily think he's cut out for the pros. Just my opinion.
But no, all I wanted to do was just, I guess, just a brain dump of stuff that's been in my head for the last few days. No real structure to the episode, but hopefully some good information. Um, we'll be, business as usual will return, I guess, after the next fight camp when I do a bit more analysis. But as always, I appreciate everyone who, who joins, who tunes in, who listens, who shares, who comments, who has a discussion about you know what we listen to on this podcast. So I am forever grateful for that, guys. Have a great day. Bye. I'm a father, a loving father. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a semi-good husband. You know what I mean? What? You know, what I mean? I'm just a man out here trying to enjoy my. I, I was born poor. I ain't never had nothing. Man. I don't know how to act. All right. But the real thing is, I'm just, I'm just here to be me. I don't care what uh, you, think you know what? I am or who, or who anyone thinks I am, um, at this stage of my life. But um, yeah, I'm a pretty much of a tyrant titan. Yeah, that's who I am.